Sherry, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Global Water Initiative, Water Resources in Africa um, podcast series today. You've just given the keynote uh, address at the dinner. Indeed, we can hear the talk from the dinner in the background. Can you tell me why you feel so passionately as a Minister for the Environment in Ghana about water resources? Yeah, because uh, I think water is life. And uh, without water, then uh, the whole planet is dead. And I believe, as I said, that climate change is human rights issue. Everybody must have you know, safe water in order to survive. And, and, you know, in your speech you referred back to the Bible, you referred back to Noah and, you know, that fight with the environmental life. And really, today we almost feel we're engaged in that same fight for humanity, whether water in Africa is, uh, you know, whether there's a shortage in terms of drought or whether there's flooding. Yes, uh, because uh, we have enough uh, uh, knowledge and yet, um, I mean, we seem a bit unconcerned. Science and technology is setting, you know, the limits that uh, the whole global world has to wake up and take a decision as to reversing this uh, global warming issue. But um, we seem unconcerned, you know, and this is what, you know, is really a worrying for a lot of people. And, and you talk tonight in your speech about it being a human rights issue. Why is that? Because the United Nations Convention, you know, says that uh, everybody has a right to social benefits, economic benefits, and political benefits. But then uh, when you have very few people, you know, enjoying their social, political, and economic rights, and then the majority of the people of the world are denied anything then it's an injustice it is an injustice and at the two day conference we've very much heard scientists put their case in terms of collecting the data at a very local level and that leading to both regional and national policy making you know how important that data is but actually what you're projecting the argument onto is some kind of spiritual level isn't it there's something that unites us in this struggle for water. That is it. Well, the data is there, but I believe that uh, scientists, it's time scientists reach out to the public and the private sector so that uh, we can have an interface accepting their data as an information tool to help us bring a change in our environment. Now, we've got in Britain or in Europe something called the Road to Copenhagen, the G20 countries, and they're very much going to be debating at the the end of the year in December how we divide resources between the developing world and the developed world. How do you think those resources should be divided? Well, I think that uh, the developed world must accept that uh, they have contributed a lot to global warming, you know, and to CO2 emissions into the atmosphere. And that it's going to take the developing countries and the least vulnerable developed countries another two or three decades to reach the levels 
that they have contributed this uh, CO2 emissions. So they must understand, you know, that it's time to dialogue and that uh, they are prepared to cut down on their emissions by reducing their lifestyle. That is the main thing. I mean, accelerated growth. Nobody wants to, you know, put their economies at risk to reduction in emissions so that uh, other people can benefit. But then uh, it's a global world. When the destruction is coming, it doesn't know whether you are in a developed country or you are in a poor country. The destruction will engulf all of us. So really, it's an interdependent world. That is it's it. that if the small ornament falls off the mantelpiece, we all feel, or the butterfly's wings, the impact of that movement. Yes, we all need each other. In Copenhagen, there must be a dialogue. There must be a trust so that we can reach a peaceful conclusion. No. Are you heartened by what you've seen at this conference, you know, the, the global water initiative, water resources in Africa? Because Africa has this huge contrast, as we said at the beginning, of flood and drought. You know, that, that it almost must feel immobilised in terms of what action it wants the rest of the world to take. Well, this is where I talked about uh, the need for technology transfer, you know, that uh, at least, you know, for long droughts, you know, with appropriate technology, we will be able to uh, mitigate, you know, the harsh effects. So we expect that uh, from this forum, our research scientists, you know, must be willing to share their knowledge and experience with Africa. As I said, you referred to, to Noah and the floods, but you're also hugely modern in your approach and modernistic because you talked about emerging markets. You know, you're talking about China, you're talking about India. It, it's a huge meeting of the undeveloped, the developing world and the developed world at the moment, isn't it? It's a crossroads for the world. So my reference to uh, the floods in Noah was that uh, humanity at that time was all concerned. You know, and I don't think that we want to sit down for a catastrophe to engulf us again. Science is showing us this, you know, that uh, it's time that we must wake up and do something about you know, our earth. I mean, we are also talking about emerging economies because uh, suddenly we find out China is also you know, on the uh, path of accelerated growth. You know, to, to, to help you know, its economy stabilize and feed its billions of people. India is also on accelerated growth. Brazil is also on accelerated growth. But then when you look at Brazil and you look at the Amazons, it has been exploited, over-exploited. And there must be restoration. In Indonesia, there must be restoration in the rainforest. You know, and these emerging markets, the fact that they are moving towards accelerated you know, economic development must also take cognizance of the fact that they must also uh, put in place mitigation efforts to reduce the emissions that you know, they are releasing into the atmosphere. What you seem to be saying is that necessity might be the mother of the invention. 
that we might have through this global world, which is a perplexing, troubling world, actually enough communal interest to affect change? Sure, that is it. That is what I'm trying to say. Your own background, how did you get to be a Minister for the Environment in Ghana? I'm a biochemist by profession, and uh, I've been in politics for a long time, you know, uh, trying to uh, promote uh, the voice of the voiceless. And I think that, um, I mean, maybe because of my background, you know, I was, you know, appointed the Minister of Environment, Science and Technology, you know. And, and the power of story. Is there one thing that you've seen, just finally, that, that if you think in terms of the power of the story in the environment, and often these things that come out of this conference, is the little things people are observing, the little changes at community level, where it's the farmer adopting or adapting to the early monsoon. But there's those little changes that bring about the big public policy initiatives. Is there something you've seen that you've thought that's made a difference? Well, community initiatives are good, but uh, it has to be supported with financial incentives and innovations so that uh, you can have it sustainable. And that's what you want to see come out of the road to Copenhagen, is it? Yes, uh, certainly. This is what I want to see. Finance isn't a minor thing. Yeah, no, finance, you know, to support, uh, you know, uh, most of the least developed countries so that they can cope you know, with the effects of climate change. And are you finally optimistic or pessimistic about the future of climate change and the environment and the adaptation of these different worlds all merging at this crossroads? I believe that uh, if we all realise that uh, the whole we are interdependent upon each other and that we must in December find a common solution to save our world, our earth. I think that uh, with that you know, realization, we'll be able to make an impact. We'll reach some kind of an agreement you know, that will be comparable to everybody. And what will you go back and tell the parliament in Ghana? Uh, from uh, this conference? Yes. Next week, by the end of the month, I'm going back. And what will you say? Will you bring a message of hope? Yeah, the message of hope I'm going to bring to my people that uh, we can join hands with our scientists to support us with the scientific tools that we need to bring a change in our economies. Sherry, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Global Water Initiative, Water Resources in Africa podcast series today. Uh, your keynote speech was empowering. Thank you. Thank you very much.